the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Libyan intel official in U.S. custody faces charges for plane bombing in 1988. I'd like him to confirm what we suspect. Number one, he built the device. Senator Kirsten Sinema's party switch lands her in a difficult spot for 2024. This was her reading the political wind. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen believes inflation will recede next year. My base case is a deep global recession because, you know, I think the impact of all of those aggressive Fed hikes will finally be felt. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Monday, December 12th. I'm Jim Bartow. Over the weekend, the Justice Department announced that Abu Aguila Mohammed Masoud Hiralmarini, a Libyan intelligence official who was accused of making the bomb that destroyed Pan Am Flight 103 over Lockerbie, Scotland in 1988, will face charges. We're just learning from the Department of Justice that Abu Ajila Mohammed Massoud will be in a Washington, D.C. courtroom tomorrow. It's been 34 years since Pan Am Flight 103 exploded over Lockerbie, Scotland, killing all on board, including 35 students from Syracuse University who are returning home after studying abroad. Now, U.S. officials confirm that the Libyan man accused of making the bomb has been taken into U.S. custody. He had been in prison in Libya for a separate sentence. We don't know just right now what facility facilitated that apprehension, why it's happening now. But we do know that back in 2020, new charges against him were announced by the Justice Department. Bill Barr was attorney general at the time. He said this man responsible for killing Americans would be brought to justice. Only one other individual had been convicted in the attack. He died in 2012, maintaining his innocence. Now, this round would be the first time that a person charged in connection to the bombing would stand trial in an American courtroom. The explosion over Lockerbie, it was the deadliest attack on British soil. In addition to the 259 people on board, 11 people on the ground were killed as well. The bombing would seem to awaken the U.S. populace to international terrorism a full decade before the September 11th attack. The incident at Lockerbie produced global investigations and sanctions. Law enforcement received their breakthrough in 2017 when they received a copy of an interview with Massoud, which he gave the Libyan government in 2012 after he was taken into custody following the collapse of the country's government. According to reports, in that interview, Massoud admitted to building the bomb that downed Pan Am Flight 103 and how he worked with two others in order to carry out that attack. Stephanie Bernstein, whose husband Michael was among the victims of the Pan Am Flight 103 disaster, says she's grateful the bombing suspect is now in U.S. custody after all this time. There have been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of times when we were told, you know, it looks promising, only to find out that it wasn't. Um, And so I was really skeptical um, that we would ever see this day come. Bernstein says she and other families are grateful to the government for following through and bringing the suspect into U.S. custody for prosecution. Our government, the Department of Justice, has always said to us, we are committed to following the evidence wherever it leads. 
And I think what today shows is that um, that that was not an empty promise. Bernstein says she's grateful the alleged bomb maker will be tried in the U.S., but it doesn't bring closure. I think that everybody um, finds a way to make this horrible uh, situation uh, part of the fabric of their lives. It never goes away. It's always there. Um, there is no closure. Richard Marquis, a retired FBI agent who worked on the case, joins News Nation and says that it was a long time coming, but it's great to see an alleged co-conspirator facing justice. First time I went to Lockerbie was about uh, three months after the crash, and a lot of the uh, the victims had all been um, uh, taken. Uh, the debris was mostly picked up, but the investigation, which lasted. Uh, the first time before the first indictments, uh, about three years. And it took an awful lot of people, Scottish police officers, FBI agents, and intelligence law enforcement agencies from a number of countries before we even could bring one person into custody. And then the trial uh, was years later. And certainly we are now, as you said, uh, 34 years away. And it's good to see another one of the alleged perpetrators in custody. Marquis says that it was a good thing that law enforcement was careful with the investigation because initially they were focused on the wrong person. Certainly if we had done what I think was suggested that we acted militarily in 1989, uh, we may not have gotten the right people because it was evidence that led us to the individuals that committed this terrorist attack. And that took time and uh, the intelligence information that we had initially was actually focused on the wrong group in the wrong countries. Marquise explains why Lockerbie is historically significant. Well, I mean, clearly it was a very significant attack against the world, against the United States. Uh, I think I recall there were something like 16 children under the age of 10 on that aircraft. Uh, it was an attack against uh, all of us done by a state sponsor of terrorism. And certainly that was uh, tragic. Uh, 9-11 obviously was in terms of numbers of people killed, much more deadly. But this was a very significant attack that took place long before we ever even thought about a group like al-Qaeda. The retired FBI agent goes on to say that the arrest is only thanks to a very lengthy and thorough investigation. He was on our radar back during the investigation. We knew about um, an individual that had built the bomb, but he was never fully identified. And it was not until Ken Dornstein, who lost a brother on the flight, uh, he put a lot of information together. And with that, he went to Libya. He conducted a great deal of investigation that led him to create a three-part series that played on PBS. Uh, and during that investigation, he more fully identified Masood. That information was passed to the FBI, uh, to Scottish police, and what happened today was a culmination of their additional investigation. And uh, I'm hopeful that he's going to be able to put a lot more pieces of the puzzle together for us. Marquise explains what he would like to see come out of the trial. I'd like him to confirm what we suspect. Number one, he built the device. He's told this to a Libyan police officer already in an interview about 10 years ago. Uh, but I would like to have him confirm that, confirm who else was involved, and certainly if, in fact, he was involved in the actual planning, who were the other individuals who ordered this so that additional action could be taken against the other people who may still be alive. The man is the third Libyan intelligence official charged in the U.S. in the case. He'd be the first to appear in an American courtroom for prosecution. 
Friday, Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema announced her departure from the Democratic Party, explaining that she had registered as an independent. I've registered as an Arizona independent, and people like me just don't feel like we fit neatly into one party's box or the other. And so, like many across the state and the nation, I've decided to leave that partisan process. Political experts now wonder if Cinema's independent affiliation may impact Democrats' slim party majority in the Senate. Looking ahead to Cinema's re-election chances in 2024, experts point out that according to Arizona state law, she will not be allowed to run as a candidate of a particular party, meaning that she could be forced to run in a general election against a Democratic and Republican nominee. Already, one progressive group is targeting cinema with ads alleging that the Arizona senator's constituents are Wall Street. Before cinema announced, Democrats were expected to take control of the Senate in January with a slim 51-49 seat majority after largely outperforming Republicans in tight races across the country during the midterms. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer released a statement after Cinema's announcement saying that the Arizona senator had asked to retain her committee assignments, to which he agreed. Chris Steyerwalt of News Nation says he believes that not much will change in how cinema votes in the Senate. This is a tricky one because it is uh, it doesn't change anything in the sense that it looks like she's going to be like the other two independents uh, who caucus with the Democrats. Bernie Sanders from Vermont, Angus King from Maine. She'll be the third one of those. So she is a Democratic vote uh, and a Democratic vote for Chuck Schumer to be the majority leader of the Senate. Uh, and for organizational purposes, yes. But when it comes to her personal registration in the state of Arizona, where, by the way, she was facing a difficult primary uh, in 2024. She will not be a Democrat. She'll be an independent. Steyerwalt says that Chuck Schumer isn't going to chastise cinema for her party switch. Well, what's he going to do? He could say no. He could say, I refuse. We Democrats refuse to have you. What would she do then? She would go be a Republican is what she would do <laughs> then. And she would tip the Senate back to 50-50. And she'd make Joe Manchin the king of the Senate again. So they're going to grin and bear it, I assume, uh, and, and keep the vote uh, even if they lose the name. Steyerwald explains how cinema's independent affiliation will tip the power structure in the Democratic majority. Democrats were so excited. The reason being that they beat uh, Herschel Walker down in Georgia. Raphael Warnock returned to the Senate. Now they have a clear majority instead of needing Vice President Kamala Harris to break the tie every time to give them the majority. And they were going to get to tell Joe Manchin to go pound salt. But what happened instead was that, and we were all watching, what would Sinema do? Because she was his running buddy, his plus one on a lot of the occasions where he gave trouble to President Biden and the Democrats in Congress. Well, we said, is she going to become more democratic or is she going to become more renegade like and here she is an independent so this was her reading the political winds i don't want to take anything away from the sincerity of her choice but clearly the political wind said tough primary ahead the democratic party she avoids that number one and number two it continues to give her and mansion leverage in the senate uh, as dissident democrats looking ahead to 2024 
Steyerwalt believes that Cinema's Gamble is winning a three-way race in Arizona. Well, that depends on how weird the Republicans are. Uh, it, it, if the Republicans get their act together and have a normal candidate in Arizona, they shouldn't have any trouble in a three-way race where you would have uh, Ruben Gallego, probably uh, the Democratic congressman from Phoenix, is the Democratic nominee. He'd be favored to have that slot. You'd have Cinema running as an independent. That would give a normal kind of Republican like uh, outgoing Governor Doug Ducey a great shot to win. Uh, on the other hand, if the Republicans stay weird and can't find a way to put mainstream, palatable candidates out, then Cinema really has a shot. So she's making a bet on that, it looks like. Cinema was first elected in 2018, winning a tight race against the Republican Congresswoman Martha McSally, and is up for re-election in 2024 in what is expected to be a primary target for Republicans to flip. Religious Americans are given a legal victory at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, Daybreak Insider's Keith Peters has more on the court ruling protecting religious freedom. The 8th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals has blocked the Biden administration order that demanded that doctors with religious reservations perform sex change operations in violation of their deeply held beliefs. The Daily Caller reports the decision follows a 5th Circuit Court opinion from August of this year that struck down a reading of the Affordable Care Act requiring every doctor to provide sex change operations regardless of religious conviction. Keith Peters reporting. On Sunday, United States Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen was interviewed by 60 Minutes and says that barring any unanticipated shocks to the global economy, Inflation in the United States should dissipate in 2023. I believe inflation will be lower. Um, I am very hopeful that the labor market will uh, remain quite healthy uh, so that people can feel good about their finances and their personal economic situation. Yellen goes on to say that many lessons were learned from the inflation that gripped the nation in the 1970s. We learned a lot of lessons from the high inflation we experienced in the 1970s. And we're all aware that it's critically important that inflation be brought under control and not become endemic to our economy. And we're making sure that that won't happen. The Treasury Secretary explains why she is confident in her belief that there will not be a recession next year. There are always risks of a recession. The economy remains prone to shocks. Um, But look, we have a very healthy banking system. We have very healthy business and household sector. You have said this. You do not believe there will be a recession next year. There's a risk of recession, but um, it certainly isn't, in my view, something that is necessary to bring inflation down. However, some economic experts disagree. Stefan Renové of Finimize, an investment group, joins CNBC and says he believes there will be a deep recession in 2023. I cannot tell you exactly what will happen next year. I think one thing is very unlikely to happen, and that's a soft landing scenario. You know, I think it's extremely difficult for the Fed to engineer a slowdown that is, you know, just enough to bring inflation down, but not too much so as to to push it towards uh, a recession. So, yes, my base case is a deep global recession because, you know, I think the impact of all of those aggressive Fed hikes will finally uh, be uh, felt through the economy. But, you know, it takes time. There are complicated lags. 
Uh, and, you know, I think at this point, uh, the risk of a financial accident, uh, you know, uh, basically rises. Renove says that, in his opinion, investors are not taking into account how vulnerable the economy is. I think the probability of a financial accident is rising and it's probably higher than what people actually think. So it's not my base case, but it's certainly something that should be, you know, uh, definitely on your on your watch list. You know, you need three things for a crisis, right? You need vulnerabilities in the system. You need a shock. And then you need, you know, some mechanism that can exacerbate this shock and spread it through, uh, you know, the system. And I think investors basically underestimate the risks on all three of these dimensions. Gas prices have again dropped sharply in New Jersey and around the country as demand remains slow and supplies continue to increase. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew takes a look at the numbers. AAA Mid-Atlantic says the average price of a gallon of regular gas in New Jersey on Friday was three forty-nine. That's down 14 pennies from last week. Still higher, though, than drivers were paying this time last year, three forty-two a gallon. The nationwide average price for a gallon of regular gasoline at three thirty-one. Analysts say gas prices will likely continue to drop next week, though not as sharply as in recent weeks, given the decision by OPEC to continue cutting production. Bob Agner reporting. at the Los Angeles rape and sexual misconduct trial of Harvey Weinstein have been deliberating for a week without reaching a verdict. Correspondent Julie Walker reports. The jury of eight men and four women are set to return to resume deliberations on Monday morning after going home Friday. They must decide on two counts of rape and five other sexual assault counts against the 70-year-old former movie mogul. The jurors have had no questions for the court that might provide insight into the status of their work. Weinstein still has more than 20 years left on his sentence in New York after a rape and sexual assault conviction there that is under appeal. In California, he could get 60 years to life in prison if he's convicted on all counts involving all four women he's charged with assaulting. I'm Julie Walker. And finally, NASA's Orion capsule returned from the moon on Sunday, splashing down off the coast of Mexico, clearing the way for astronauts on the next mission to the moon. A Navy ship quickly moved in to recover the spacecraft and its occupants, which consisted of three test dummies rigged with vibration sensors and radiation monitors. The space agency needed a successful splashdown to stay on track for the next Orion flight around the moon, currently targeted for 2024. Four astronauts will make the trip, That will be followed by a two-person lunar landing as early as 2025. NASA commentator Rob Navius says controllers ordered an adjustment to the angle for which the Orion space capsule will enter the waters of the Pacific. Basically a fine-tuning of the orientation of the angle, a 16-second firing of the thrusters, and a good burn reported, 8.12 feet per second in a change in velocity. So the raised burn uh, was executed. Uh, that uh, will further fine-tune uh, Orion's path at the proper azimuth or orientation where the heat shield is at its optimum angle. Navius says that the Orion space capsule was in the proper position for a safe splashdown. And there it is, high over the Pacific, America's new ticket to ride to the moon and beyond now in view. Orion under its chutes descending towards splashdown. Navius says that the Orion capsule splashed down safely in the Pacific Ocean after a long journey through space. From Tranquility Base to Taurus Litro to the tranquil waters of the Pacific, the latest chapter of NASA's journey to the moon comes to a close. Orion, back on Earth. 
Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Jim Bartow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.